I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast, Summer of Streaming. Welcome back, Power Players. This is the Power Time Podcast. This is an audio journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. I'm your host, Tom Tate. We are taking the summer off from the traditional Nintendo Power episodes. We're taking the summer off to play some games, which is something that I just didn't have a lot of time to do when I was doing the normal episodes. And more importantly, we're going to play some games, but we're going to talk about games with friends of the show, both old friends and new. We're going to kick off another round of our flash round of questions, the Nintendo 10, with a very special guest. I want to welcome to the show, Jordan Blum. Jordan, how's it going? All right. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining uh, joining the show today. Uh, Jordan is a content creator. He holds an MFA in creative writing. Uh, he is the founder slash editor-in-chief of the Bookends Review. We actually, funny story, and I'll get to it in a minute, We've we did a podcast a long time ago that actually never saw the light of day, uh, but we talked a lot about the Bookends Review, which is a really cool site. We'll link it up oh, on the show thanks. notes. Uh, Jordan, you're also an editor at uh, Pop Matters. Uh-huh. Um, you do a ton of really awesome music journalism, uh, which is a really cool thing that you jumped into. Uh, how many years have you been doing that now? Like a decade, maybe? Um, yeah, about a decade. If I remember correctly, I think like the first I did a little bit at the uh, Rider, Rider University newspaper. But I think the first actual review I, I consider like a professional review was for uh, Coed and Camber's No World uh, for Tomorrow, which came out in 2007. So, yeah, it's been a decade. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've had a ton of opportunities to meet some really famous musicians, which is really cool. Yeah. It's a dream have come you, true. Have you ever done any video game journalism? Um, I did actually. Um, and I was actually thinking about getting back into it because at Pop Matters, we do like a, we do cover video games and there's a, a podcast called Moving Pixels. And I was thinking of covering that stuff because before I ever even ventured into music journalism, uh, when I was in high school, I was a, a writer and an administrator for a website called Gaming Nation. Cool. Um, so I wrote, like, I remember writing, like, a review for SSX Tricky. Okay. As, like, one Cl- review. Classic. I, classic snowboarding title. Yeah, it was title. good. Yep. So, it's interesting, yeah, so I started writing uh, about games before I started writing about anything else. And I failed to mention that, you know, your main occupation is you're, you're an educator. You're adjunct uh, professor at a bunch of different schools, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. Yeah. So I'm excited to jump into this uh, this particular inter- interview format. I've prepared these interviews. I've mentioned this in the last episode. We've done two already. Uh, it's probably something that's going to change over time. So I'll ask you for your feedback at the end uh, because if you have any okay. suggestions, we'll we'll let this thing evolve. But it's what I'm calling the Nintendo 10, and it is 10 quick questions about your history with you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest video game companies of all time, uh-huh. and my goal with this is to ask different people the same questions uh, because obviously we'll get different answers. And it's funny when you ask, you know, 10 different people, the same 10 questions, uh, you just get all these different stories. But in a lot of ways, we have a a lot of different shared experiences as well. So 
Uh, before we get started, I've briefly introduced you, uh, but in your own words, if you could stay for the record, you know, kind of who you are and what you do. Uh, sure. Um, well, as you said, I guess I see myself primarily as a music writer, um, focusing on progressive rock and progressive metal. Uh, so these days, I mean, I'm covering the new Stephen Wilson's coming out. Uh, you know, so much stuff happens. Deer Hunter, a uh, band called Portugal, the man's not really progressive, I guess, but. But I see myself as a music journalist mostly, also writing about literature. But, and as they say, like everybody who kind of follows their dream has to make money too and, and find a day job. So I, 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 I love teaching, don't get me wrong, but I see I, – I, I look at myself more as a writer and a music journalist than a, a teacher. But yeah, I do that too. And then I run bookends. So I'm always trying to promote uh, you know, independent uh, creative writing. And when I get a free moment from all that, yeah, I like to play a lot of video games. Now, what, what's your what's your history with games? Uh, did you ever work in any game industry type of setting? No, I mean, aside from what I, I mentioned, like I don't do any video games for Pop Matters, but I'm sure I could venture into that. I mean, I, I, my earliest uh, video game memories were with Nintendo, with the NES, so I certainly have a lot going with that. Um, and I worked at GameStop for a bunch of years, which seems like everybody kind of does. Everybody who's ever been involved in video games at one point works in GameStop or, or a place that sells them. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good segue into, you know, kind of our first question with the okay. Nintendo 10. So question number one is, what were your earliest experiences with Nintendo? This could be your earliest memories of a Nintendo game or perhaps your first console. Um, first console was uh, NES. And I was born at the tail end of 87. So and I think it came to, did it come to American 87, I think? Or it came to American 85, I think. It came to America in 85, but there was no real, like, release date. It just kind of started yeah. to pop up. Yeah. And it took a little while to get uh, started, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think we had a Nintendo. My family had a Nintendo before I was born because I have an older sister who's almost five years older than me. Um, and a lot of my earliest memories, period, are of playing games with, with my sister, uh, with my dad sometimes, with my mom watching us. Um, specifically, I remember... It's typical, I guess, like kind of cliched sibling relationship of, of my sister calling me upstairs all the time when she would want to play like I don't know, original Legend of Zelda, uh, Dr. Mario, one of the Mario Brothers games. Um, she would call me upstairs to blow into the cartridge and to wipe alcohol in it, which they always tell you not to do. But of course, it works. Um, and then I remember struggling to kind of let her, you know, after I did that, she would kind of tell me to go away, I guess. Sometimes she'd me <laughs> yeah, watch. Sure. But usual, like, older sibling kid thing. Everyone had those uh, little special tricks to try to get their NES to work. I remember my cousin, he had to, like, jam a deck of cards in oh, a certain wow. way. Yeah, just to get it just to get it to work. Did you ever have that, like, I, I mean, ours was pink. I'm sure they came in other colors. But that, like, the little thing you would put in there and, like, move it around. And that was supposed it, to clear up dust. It was like a cleaning. Yeah, like a cleaning yeah. tool. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if it works, but... We definitely had one of those. I don't know if it worked e either, but... <laughs> Uh, it's just so funny that, you know, we had to f wrestle with our consoles just to get a game to work. Oh, but yeah, yeah I, I have a very similar experience because I also have an older sister um, and we played all the different multiplayer games. Mm. I mentioned on the show a few episodes ago, uh, Chip and Dale. I don't know if you had that game or if you played it, but no, I've seen like a lot of footage of it, but I never played it. One of those few games where you can both play at the same time uh, on the NES. And I remember that was an awesome, awesome experience. Okay, so question number two is, did you did you have a subscription to Nintendo Power? Uh, I didn't. Do you remember anyone who did, or do you remember anything about the magazine growing up? No, I mean, I, I had a lot of, I was more, I was always more in a PlayStation, I guess. Um, once I, you know, became a teenager, um, 
but I certainly have seen them. I've certainly like perused some of them. I remember, I remember the covers were always really interesting. The ones I've I've seen, like a lot of the claymation and a lot of the big announcements. Yeah, the the claymation style seemed to be really popular with whoever was putting together this magazine uh, because they definitely pulled that for a lot of the first party uh, cover stories. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, PSM magazine. Uh, okay. that was one. Of, well, that was one of my favorites, and the official PlayStation magazine as well. Yeah, uh, I was I was really into those also. Okay, cool. Um, question number three: uh, What's your favorite game on any Nintendo console, and why? On any, um, I mean, everybody has like the nostalgia, I guess, for like Super Mario Brothers three. Um, I mean, actually, I would have to say, I guess, to have, sort of have like a more personal, unique answer would be Bart Saves the World. I think is what it was called. Um, okay. Which was not a good game in any way. It was a sequel, I think, to Bart versus the Space Mutants. Um, did you ever play it? Was that NES or was that Super Nintendo? That was the original NES. Okay. Okay. And, I yeah. I remember Virtual Bart for the Super Nintendo. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, I remember that again. Also, not a good game. But is that I when you remember like, it? The fondly. beginning, you like falls asleep doing his homework, it was, or is like that a, the Space Mutant? I don't remember. It was like a dream. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it was all a dream. Um, yeah, there was a couple Simpsons games uh, for for both consoles. Yeah, uh, the Sp- Space Mutants was too hard for me. Uh, I remember renting that game and just dreading, uh, <laughs> you know, have, have being stuck with that game for the entire weekend because it was impossible. Oh impossible. yeah, and back then, you know, you, you you beg your parents to get you the one game for a week or whatever, and hope it's good. So, what was it about that game uh, that um, makes it your personal favorite? Well, honestly, it was it was watching my dad play it. Like we would play a lot of games together, but I I remember of all the games that we had, I remember many times watching him just uh, you know in my parents' bedroom at the, the foot of the bed, him playing the game from start to finish. Obviously, because you couldn't save it or anything. And I just remember all the references we would discuss and like just the frustration he would have, but in a, you know in a, in a jovial way of him getting frustrated and you know making jokes about it. Um, sure. I just want to, I guess that's one of my first memories um, of just like bonding and having that sort of like parent son relationship, father son relationship with him. So I'm going to slightly twist that question okay. and ask you, in your opinion, what is the best game on any Nintendo console and why would you choose that? Um, oh, wow. Um, of the ones I've played probably super mario brothers 3 i never played super mario world okay um but the amount of i mean you know it's it's the answer you'll get for anybody who's talking about it i guess but the amount of innovation that went into that one um especially i mean you know everyone knows like the second one in america was doki doki panic wasn't really you know super mario brothers 3 or or 2 but the jump from either of them to three and what three was was such a huge leap and it was just you know all the secrets and like holding down behind i think it was like the white blocks and you can go behind the scenes and just like it's just the variety the colorfulness it was really it really played a big part in me just loving video games in general yeah and it was super innovative uh for its time uh so yeah I, I have a feeling you know that and we already heard uh one of our guests mention Mega Man 2 and i okay. have a feeling between Mega Man 2 and 3 and super mario brothers 3 we're gonna hear those a lot yeah in, in regards to that question because they were just so well designed uh, both of those those titles. Yeah. Okay, jumping into question number five. Uh, this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. What is your least favorite Nintendo yeah. game of all time? Oh, God. Um, probably Paperboy on the original NES. Any any specific reason why? Um, I mean, I remember getting it for Hanukkah one, one year, and my sister and I going to play it, and just 
it was just very, I mean, I don't want to bad mouth and sound like, you know, one of those hipsters who, who you know, can't appreciate what existed before we were born or, or sure. when we were kids. But even thinking about it right now, it's just like it's so basic and just trial and error. But like almost like it's one of those games, I think, where it's like this, the programming of the game worked against you. So if you messed up, it wasn't always your fault. It was sort of like hit detection or just, you know, spatial reasoning, whatever, or depth perception. It was just not very fun and not very intuitive, I guess. And it's not very like conducive to helping you have fun and win. Yeah. It never really gelled with me. I, I remember playing that game and being in scenarios where there was just no possible way I could have escaped whatever obstacles the, yeah. the game was throwing at me. And it almost felt unfair. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a classic. I don't want a bad mouth. Yeah, player. exactly. It's. It's one of those like building blocks of modern gaming, but yeah, for sure. It's one of those things. Maybe they did it better, you know, subsequently. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. Uh, so the next question is, you know, what is your favorite soundtrack or musical theme from a Nintendo game? Probably the music in Chrono Trigger. Nice. Not that I, I mean, I, I was playing like a month or two ago, and I haven't gotten too far into it, but I just find it so iconic, and I don't know. It's just, it's just very memorable. Yeah, I feel that way about a lot of those Square uh, RPGs that came out around that time. They put a yeah. lot of care into those soundtracks. No, I was just going to say it's the type of thing where, like, with you know the 16-bit technology, it doesn't sound amazing, but you uh, like I've heard, you know, as you probably have, you know, full-bodied orchestration or orchestrated versions of this stuff, and it's just amazing. Okay, next question: um, Do you have any unique Nintendo memories or stories uh, throughout the years? Anything that stands out? Uh, this could be any generation, so it could be you know revisiting. In college hmm. or you know growing up with nintendo doesn't really matter yeah a couple i mean when you asked me um about like my favorite game or the best game i for a split second i was gonna say goldeneye um but i think that's one of the games that has not aged as well but i do remember a lot um playing that game with my friend sam in his house um when he lived you know near me in philly just like you know the typical stuff you do when you're like you know a bunch of 13 year old guys like hanging out all night playing video games drinking mountain do that kind of thing and just like laughing at it a lot, knocking that. I remember like one level where you wake up in a jail cell with this girl. I think her name was Natasha. And for yeah. some reason, we determined that you could like throw knives at the, the bad guy's hats and knock the hats off. <laughs> yeah. So we spent like an hour doing that and not really even playing the game. But also like all the secrets and finding, you know, the in whatever multiplayer level where you can, you know, find the perfect placement where nobody can get behind you and you would just have like sights on everybody as they walk past you. Did you have any special modes that you would play in multiplayer? Because I remember that being kind of a big um, thing with GoldenEye. Everyone had their favorite play settings. I think the Golden Gun one yeah, was, was yeah. one we, we did a lot. One-shot kills? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was so much fun. I, I had such a similar experience, you know, being 13 and yeah. playing with friends, staying up later than we probably should have, uh, but yeah, having and similar with that game. Similar thing um, around the same time, but then going into college, too. But like the end of high school in the summer, you know, we would bring our game systems. I would bring my guitar and my skateboard and just like mess around in, in Northeast High School. But we would play Smash Brothers Melee a lot, yeah, too, yep. which I know a lot of people still think is the best. I mean, I haven't played enough of the other ones to compare, but it was a lot of a lot of fun. I mean, we even played with some teachers. It was fun. Nice. <laughs> it was a nice. lot of fun. Did, did you uh, were you a Tony Hawk player back in, in that time period? Yeah, as a matter of fact, the last like couple weeks, I've been trying to find all the old play, uh, Tony Hawk games for my Xbox. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, Tony Hawk was huge with me. Because I remember GoldenEye and Tony Hawk, those were like, you know, hanging out with my friends, N64, uh, 
tons of fun. Yeah, and I seem to remember like the N64 ports of the first two Tony Hawks were supposed to be um, inferior to the PlayStation ones, I think. For the trying to remember, like the soundtrack, I think was was modified, wasn't as good. Yeah, you didn't get that CD quality yeah. uh, audio for sure. But um, either way, I mean, those games were seminal to like everybody, you know, everybody our age, I imagine. Definitely, definitely. All right, cool. So next question uh, has to do with uh, how you approach your your work. So okay. how is your relationship with video games, uh, particularly Nintendo, how has that influenced your work? I mean, in general, like with in kind of a, a wide answer, I guess, but I like to watch a lot of game criticism a lot of, uh, and read a lot of reviews. So I'm always up to date or trying to be as up to date as possible on what, you know, Nintendo critics are saying and what the community is saying, what YouTubers are saying about Nintendo and the E3 conference that just happened, for example. Other than that, I guess it's just sort of using it to relax, like a lot of people. Um, no, it's I great. It, yeah. And as I said, like writing about video games back in high school for a little bit, I, I reviewed a lot of sooner. I don't remember specifically which ones, but I do remember because I had a, I had just gotten a GameCube around then. So I remember writing a lot of reviews. I guess it was probably for like Wind Waker was one of them. Metroid Prime. Do, do you ever hear nods to video game music in some of the music that you review? Um, trying to think. I don't think like explicit references necessarily, but I've spoken to a lot of musicians who we wind up talking about like, you know, what inspires your music and, and what, what do you do outside of, of making music? And a lot of, a lot of time we'll talk about video games and it's, you know, it's yeah. specifically Nintendo. And I know there's the guy, uh, Mega Ran, I think is, he goes by who like remixes a lot of like video games, like Mega Man, he turns in like hip hop synth stuff. Yeah. For so sure. I know it's way the merger of like video games and, and professional musicianship is big now. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, we've made it to the last question. So this question, we can veer away from Nintendo. It's really, what was the last great game that you've played? And this could be on any console. Well, I mean, I'm playing, right now I'm playing, uh, as I said, the uh, Life is Strange. And I can already, I'm in episode two, and I can already tell that that's going to be great. I would say it reminds me of a game called Gone Home, which I would say is another one of the last ones I played that's that's amazing. Um, I skipped Gone Home. I feel I feel like I should go back and play it uh, because it it's all about like '90s culture, right? Like it goes all the way back to. Yeah, there's a. It, it seems like a lot of games are doing that now. Like Life is Strange is doing that now. Uh, there's that game Emily is Away, which is all about like having a crush on somebody in high school and using AOL Instant Messenger and being obsessed with Linkin Park and My Chemical Romance. So there's oh, a wow. lot of like '90s nostalgia in gaming now. I guess it makes sense because so many of us that grew up in the '90s are are still playing right yeah gaming so yeah I think, no, it, I, I think it appeals to a certain mass yeah and our generation is the one that's designing games now so we can put in all those references yeah i'm gonna have to check those out those, those are definitely gonna yeah uh, make, make have you, my backlog have you played the last of us i did yes yeah and that was phenomenal yeah um i like i just yesterday i i teach about um the legitimacy of gaming we discuss if, like the merit of gaming so I kind of work that into teaching too, and I show clips like um, from like Heavy Rain, Last of Us, uh, Life is Strange, to sort of discuss you know the games are you know, whether or not games are just a waste of time, as a lot of people would say, or if there's a legitimacy to them in terms of storytelling, emotion, character development, all that. I, I actually support and follow this guy. His name's Frank Sofaldi. He he operates the Video Game History Foundation. Oh wow. And his mission is to preserve games much in the same way that like the Criterion Collection preserves yeah. uh, film, right? Uh, and I think that 
it's important uh, just as you're explaining it, you know, this idea of the legitimacy of games kind of as art and as a medium, you know, which is fantastic for storytelling, not just leisure, right? Not just kind of like dumb leisure, but uh, really, really awesome stuff is coming out of video games these days. Uh, yeah. So that's awesome. Cool. Okay. So that actually wraps up the Nintendo 10. You've successfully completed uh, the 10 <laughs> yeah, questions. Yeah. Do you have any specific feedback, anything that we could uh, tweak or change for future interviews? Um. No, it was good. They're all interesting questions. Cool. Yeah, and I've gotten some great answers so far. Thank you for your contributions. Uh, sure. I'm excited to air this for the listeners. Uh, I'm also excited if you have some extra time just to pick your brain yeah, on definitely. E3. Uh, because I know I follow E3 pretty religiously every year. I feel like I've been doing that for like the past eight years. Uh, and it was... It was uh, exciting show for me in some cases a little yeah. warm in other areas but i kind of wanted to get your general thoughts and and just hear what you thought about this year's e3 yeah um well i, I so did out, anything yeah. stand out anything specific that excited you uh that um, you heard from any any platform uh well i'm excited for the the life is strange uh dlc and the uncharted dlc as i said like i have a the only real system i play now is my playstation 4 i don't have a, a new xbox or a, a switch or even a wii u so all the PlayStation stuff, like sure. the Spider-Man looks really good. I'm trying to remember what else they came out, they, they announced. Um, but the, the general consensus I've seen, I like I was I set out before it started to watch the actual presentations and all that, but I just got too busy. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube uh, sort of wrap-ups of like, I don't know, Boogie's been doing it, the guys from IGN kind of funny. I watch their stuff. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the general consensus is across like everything was just a lot of announcements of things everybody knew um we're coming and you know like maybe some new footage maybe some new details but no real big like surprises i think the only real huge surprise i can think of is the metroid uh, prime 4 announcement which was just you know a little like teaser of the logo but that was like enough to kind of overshadow i think the the more in-depth in announcements of things people already knew uh was happening yeah i i was I was surprised at how much we saw of titles that were already showcased. Like yeah. uh, Days Gone for yeah. PlayStation looks fantastic, but I feel like they spent so much time uh, on that when they could have been showcasing something else. Yeah. Um, did you play the original Shadow of the Colossus? No, it's one of the ones I missed, but I I always I heard it's it's one of the first like modern games that people cite as like games as art. Um, yeah. And I know, like, I know what happens, and so I kind of know where it's going. But I, I'm, I'm excited that they announced a remaster of it because it looks really good. Yeah, me too. And for that exact reason, I skipped it as well. I don't know why I skipped it because mm. I, I feel like it came out at a time when I was definitely a Sony console uh, gamer. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited for that remaster as well. Uh, so I'm curious. You know, we talked a little bit about them announcing a lot of things that have already been announced but if you could have had your way uh is there any specific franchise or anything that uh you would have liked to have seen them uh, bring up yeah well the rumor as the rumor mill was saying that they were going to announce sort of what they did with like mario kart 8 deluxe with the uh, smash brothers yeah. and there's even i don't know where it was posted uh maybe kotaku maybe reddit 4chan or something but like screens that look like, you know, the, the Wii U Switch graphics, but of the 3DS version of Smash. And a lot of people were speculating that they were going to do a deluxe version that combined everything from both versions. That sort of announced it for like a February, March 18 thing. And they, as far as I know, they didn't mention that at all. I was surprised. If that, 
I was surprised too. I'm surprised that I would be shocked if it wasn't on its way. Yeah, uh, it's got to you know, be. Maybe, maybe they they are uh, working on a new one and not remastering the Wii U version, yeah. which would kind of make sense as to why we're not hearing about it. Because I feel like that could be a really good system seller holiday 2018, right? Yeah, I would definitely uh, so buy it for that. Is there any uh, other game that would get you to buy a Switch? Um, I mean, Odyssey, Mario Odyssey looks amazing. Um, I remember the last I played. I, I think the last Mario game I played, pure like in, intensively, was Sunshine on GameCube. Um, other than okay. that, I played like bits and pieces here and there of the newer stuff. But Odyssey looks really fun, and I and I, I never got a Wii U. I always kind of wanted to. I kind of still want to if the price like drops a lot. But I know that'd be kind of a waste. But like Mario Kart Eight makes me want to buy it. Breath of the Wild I heard is amazing. Yeah, I I have a Switch, and those are the only. T- two games that i've really played through uh yeah. Mario Kart and breath of the wild well it seems I mean, like that's will, the only reason i have the switch at this point that and there's there are some fun <laughs> really? indie titles like yeah. you know uh shorter shorter games i'm playing through blaster master uh, which okay. is a throwback to the original and it's fun it's a really fun game uh but at the same time like it's a it's a quick little indie yeah playthrough and even know, this, so. aside from like the, new, the two new Metroids, a lot of what Nintendo even announced, they had a very quick one, which is good, because a lot of E3 press conferences go too long, and it's a lot of awkward, like, joking, you know, banter between them, and Nintendo yep. kind of just said, like, here's all the stuff, but again, they announced a lot of stuff that people knew was coming, and it's not coming until the end of this year, if not 18. So or 2018. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of people are still saying, all right, now that I know it's coming, why did I get a Switch, you know, in March? Um, but as you said, like a lot of people think Breath of the Wild was justification enough. So, and Metroid Prime Four didn't even get a date, so that could yeah, be true. 2019 for all we know. So, yeah, there seems to be a lot of that we'll of see. like games that we're going to show you now, but we're not even going to tell you when they're coming out. Um, I guess it's it's part of the hype train, but I wonder if it's going to it was going to become like. Um, with like the Last Guardian that was like in development for a decade, and then people kind of stopped caring. And then it came out and it was kind of underwhelming for, for a lot of people. So I, sure. I wonder if they're going to do that like Beyond Good and Evil 2. They've been in, like hinting at for, I think, 15 years off and on. And it's I wonder if they're like sort of shooting themselves in the foot by announcing it too soon. It could be 20. It could be another five years right yeah. on top of uh, the 15. And uh, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy uh, 15 was in development forever. And yeah. they announced the 7 remake. And I don't know when we're ever going to see that 7 remake. So Yeah. And of course, I Kingdom totally Hearts 3, too. Kingdom Hearts 3 has been... When? Yeah. I. Yes. Yes. That could be a cool announcement for the Switch. If they decide yeah. to bring any of those uh, Square Enix RPGs to the Switch, I think that would be a really good system seller for them. Yeah. I'd still probably play on PS4, but uh, I, I'd be interested to see uh, well, if in, they could bring those over. On that note, what's interesting to me about the Wii U and the Switch is I know, like, technically it's underpowered in comparison, and especially now with the Xbox One uh, X, which is an odd title, but whatever. But, like, yeah. looking at, like, the newest graph, like the newest games on the Switch, they look as good as a lot of PS4 games and Xbox games to me. Like, Mario Kart 8 looks as good as almost any other game I can think of that's out now. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 is, and it plays really well. Yeah, uh, it, it looks good and it plays well. And I, I, I hope they bring the Wii U Smash. I mean, I know I mentioned earlier that they might be working on a, on a new yeah. one, but 
I did. I skipped the Wii U Smash, uh, so I would love to pick yeah. up that title. Well, I guess it's the it's the idea. Like, if they do port that over, then that would probably be this generation's Switch, uh, Smash game. And if Nintendo, yeah. unless I mean, is Nintendo even going to do another console? Because there's been a lot of talk of. I mean, if the Switch didn't work, then they would say that was the last one. But I guess it's, it is successful, so maybe they'll do another one. But I guess it is that choice of either port the Wii U one or work on a new one. But it probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't get two Smash games on Switch. So the summer, the summer is upon us. Uh, you've mentioned that you're playing Life is Strange. Do you have any other kind of backlog games that you want to dig into? Uh, oh yeah, anything uh, coming up? Um, well, like I when I got the PS4 a couple years ago, I saw like you know all the deals you can get and buy buy to get one free. So I I stacked up on a lot of them. So I still have to play uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes and, and Five. I got to play okay. Witcher Three, Fallout Four, Far Cry Four, um, Until Dawn. And then, like, tons of downloadable stuff. I was playing Saints Row 4 before Life is Strange, and I just decided I don't really, you know, I'd rather get through, like, meaningful games than just kind of games to f*** around with. Mindless games, yeah. But, yeah, um, tons of, I I even have a list, like an Excel spreadsheet I made of every game I own and what the progress is because I'm kind of, I don't know. I feel bad, like, buying new games and never getting the old ones. It's the same idea with, like, DVDs and books, I guess, that you never get to. I, I have a bunch as well, especially because when those sales go up, uh, the digital sales go out, it's yeah. just so enticing to buy a game for under 10 bucks uh, and yeah. just have it. Just know that you have it. Uh, Steam sales, PlayStation sales. Uh, the Nintendo games don't go on sale that often. Yeah. But I, st- I still have a bunch of of downloaded titles on my 3DS uh, yeah. that I'm looking to play. I downloaded, um, it was like $2, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's incredible. when I'm like, I'm, I know I'm never going to play that, but I have it for two dollars. You just purchased, what, a 40, 50 hour game. So yeah, and it's, it's supposed to be one of the best games on the system, yeah. I think. So it's, it's nice just to have it, even if I'm, I know I'm never going to get to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you play Horizon Zero Dawn? That's the last No, I, uh, I want to. Yeah, I that's, heard that's I, amazing. I think that might be next on my PlayStation to playlist uh we'll see we'll see if i can get to yeah. that this summer i know people were blown away by because it, it was I, I don't know who the developer is but they made kill zone and people were sort of yeah. shocked that they, they would venture out to to a, a drastically different direction and it actually be one of the best games of the year so far and the dlc uh the dlc for horizon looks really good too. yeah they showcased that at the playstation yeah uh, event and also all um, the playstation event probably the game that i was most impressed with with that was is uh, god of war just in terms of narrative, that that game looks incredible. Yeah, I still am trying to like understand. Like, it obviously takes place in the future, but it doesn't. I don't think it's the same voice actor, and I'm wondering like how it can be the same character. But we'll see. I'm thinking out loud, and you know, this isn't this isn't a spoiler because the game's not out. But I wonder if the son is is uh, is him, and it's not in the future. That would be interesting. That could be a nice twist. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you heard it here first. Maybe. Yeah, if it, if that. If that comes to fruition, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, I don't have any other major questions. Do you? Uh, do you have any final words you want to leave our listeners with? Um, not in particular. I was just wondering when we were talking about uh, Mario Three before. I wonder if you heard the rumor of what the game, like what the actual game is, the, like the fan theory of what Super Mario Three is. I I don't think I have. Which is, uh, people think it's all a play, like theater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the beginning they open up the uh, the curtain. Yeah, and then like yeah. I wonder. It seems like one of the best like fan theories for for a game I could think of because it's like the evidence is all right there. So there. And that's is... another reason why I guess it's so. 
I guess, I don't know, the revolutionary is because it, if that is true and it seems like that is true, then, you know, it's meta. It's, it's, it's a whole different approach that people didn't just even think about for decades afterward. Yeah, there is a writer. Uh, her name is Elise Knorr. And uh, she actually wrote a book uh, in 2016 all about the development of Super Mario Brothers 3. And okay. I, I uh, was in contact with her not too long ago, so she might be on the show. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, so if, if we lock that interview down on the show, I will make sure that we kind of – I'll make sure to ask her about that uh, specific theory because she might actually have more information, which could be really cool. That'd be cool. Have you heard of a book called uh, Death by Video Game? No, no. Because um, you just mentioned her, so it, it popped into my head. It's I reviewed it for Pop Matters a few months ago, and it's basically it's a guy who wrote called his name Simon Parkin. Okay, and it's basically just a you know book of are video games to blame for people dying and for bad things, or are video games for good things, and can they help you cope, or are they destructive to you? Yeah, um, that's a whole other like discussion to have, but it's a really interesting book and, a, and an interesting topic too. Like games can be so helpful and cathartic and therapeutic. Or they could, you know, if you go too far and you wind up never sleeping and playing Second Life and giving up on your family, I guess, runs the gamut. (laughs) They could be destructive. Yep. Yeah. I'll check that out. And I will link that up in the show notes as well. I I think another good episode could be talking about a lot of the different books about video games. uh, Oh, yeah. As I said, I teach essays about this stuff. I go into discussions about it. I have a lot to say about it in general. As do a lot of people. It's it's. It's an interesting discussion, debate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's let's keep that on the roadmap. Uh, maybe yeah. we can get get you back on the show and sure. we can dig into uh, some of the deeper side of gaming. Uh, you know, approach it from a literary standpoint, perhaps. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. All right, last question, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I want to thank you, of course, for hanging out, sharing some stories. Talking sure. Thanks again for having uh, me. Going over some s- summer gaming. What's the best place uh, for people to kind of keep tabs on you on the internet, uh, connect with you? Um, I mean, Facebook and Twitter. And I invite, you know, if anybody ever wants to, I'm, you know, happy to talk and, and have people find me on there. But also, um, I kind of use like the same biography paragraph everywhere. So if you go to the Bookends website, you'll see that. If you go to Pop Matters website, um, under staff, you'll find me. And then that way you can sort of see everything that I'm up to. Um, I do have my own website, but I haven't updated it in like two years. But I'll say it's mainly like Facebook, Twitter. You can, you're, you know, you can always find me there. Yeah, for sure. And we will link up uh, bookends as well uh, so that uh, awesome. listeners can check that out. I appreciate it. Really cool site. Um, and that's still going strong, right? Yeah, we're, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary um, in July. I think like July 2nd, technically. So I'm having a party slash reading at Main Point Books in Wayne, PA, on the 9th. Cool. Um, and yeah, and if anybody, I mean, we started out with fiction and poetry and sort of the more technical, formal, creative stuff, but I'm really trying to expand it to artwork and music and essays. So if anybody has any essays or interviews related to video games, I'm happy to take a look at it, too, if you want to get it awesome. published. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we'll definitely, yeah. let's call that out. And uh, if anybody's interested, check out the link in the show notes. Uh, Jordan, yeah. thanks again. Uh, I really no appreciate problem. it. No problem, thanks. Enjoy your summer. I'm sure we will definitely keep in touch regardless. Yeah. That's going to wrap up today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you did, uh, feel free to leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. An honest review helps me continue to improve the show. uh, And it also helps me find new listeners, which helps me continue to put out more episodes. Uh, So it's a really great, easy, uh, free way for you to help support the show. 
I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank you for your time and attention. I hope that you're having an awesome summer of gaming. And as always, keep on playing with power.